Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, where I, Megan, sit down with a couple of other amazing ladies to dig up the dirt on the undead in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. For this episode, I've resurrected Pepperina and Casey, so we can sink our teeth into this episode called Eternal Servitude, Embracing the Giving Spirit. This episode on the It's a Mimic channel is going to commit completely to an infinite task that awaits those who got more than they bargained for. The ever-present, never-changing, always-serving, and destined to hit repeat one on their playlists of doom. These devoted undead don't believe in the till-death-do-us-part portion of their vows and are sticking around long past their expiration date to keep on keeping on. But before we dive into these poor, unfortunate souls, I want to ask, what do you think would be the worst task to have to do over and over and over again for the rest of eternity. Oh do we want to roll for it or do we want to just Yeah, roll for it. I got to get my dice out. I have to get my thinking my thinking cap on here. <laughs> Hold on. Thinking cap. I have my whole fucking I'm dice. Trying to think of like the most monotonous the mon- most monotonous thing that I do in life. I got a 1. <laughs> I got a 10. Good start. Different dice. Get? We're going with a different dice already. <laughs> <laughs> Switching it up. Switching it out. Well, Casey, you're first. What task? Well, I went to just what is the most like unpleasant job. So like I would say being a servant that has to like, if we're sticking with the times of D&D, usually like cleaning bedpans or yeah. Yeah. cleaning up after like humans or humanoids. <laughs> yeah, I was going on a similar vein where the one that I would really, really, really not want to do is pull hair out of someone's like drain. Like the, you know uh, what I mean? Like be, that yeah. be my job for the rest of my life is to pull like their long, thick ass hair out of someone's oh, drain. God. So the rest of my fucking life makes me want to vomit just that. thinking about it. <laughs> There's three girls with very long hair in my house, so I get that. <laughs> yeah. And it's all very colorful. So <laughs> you know whose like, hair is whose? It's like pink and blue and orange hair, like coming out of the drain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mine, I think, would just be like dishes and laundry. Like, I can't, I fucking hate folding laundry. Just the putting away of the laundry, I think, would be the. Oh, man. I I could zenly fold socks for the rest of my life. I feel Ugh. like that would be like my monk zen thing would be I just fold <laughs> socks for like my. Existence. I don't even attempt to fold socks. I just throw them all loose in a drawer. You know what? And then deal with it later. Oh, That's boy. a lot of chaos I can't handle. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's surprised about my chaos? Nobody. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not surprised Nobody. for your chaos, but no. I don't accept your chaos. <laughs> that was me until um, Marie Kondo came into my life like five years ago or six years ago. Now it's the perfect fold and stack. <laughs> I can't. I don't. I just don't have the time. <laughs> or the motivation really i'm the my laundry lives in baskets for a week or two before it finally gets folded and put away oh man just because i can't (laughs) i I happen to be helping my partners fold their clothes the other day Mm -hmm. and like they are the we're just gonna jam all these socks into this one drawer without pairing them and it just hurts my soul let me clean out that sock drawer for you just let me just once Anyways, let's dig into it. So we're going to talk about a couple of some some baddies in the D&D world uh, that have little creatures that probably follow them around or just creatures that follow around others for other such reasons. 
So the first one I actually wanted to talk about is the indentured spirits. But in order to do so, we kind of have to understand a little bit more about what's called the death pact angel. So I, I won't go too far into detail as we will, of course, kind of cover the actual death angel, the death pact angel, sorry, in greater detail in a couple of few future episodes, just because there's a lot to them. So I feel like it's that we're going to give a, a full episode to them, not us, maybe the regular mm-hmm. podcast, but we'll see. Somebody um, will talk about them. They'll, it'll come up, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do want to learn more uh, after this episode, uh, before we talk about it again, death angels can be found within the Guildmaster's Guide to the Ravnica book. But a simple breakdown is that they are angels that can be found in the cathedrals of Orzhov, uh, where they basically sit uh, and are recognized as a beneficent god, where they grant wishes from people, like for people um, that are searching for things like wealth, power, health, like, you know, the basics of, you know, existence in life. Um, And these wishes will usually be granted, but only because the death pact angel expects a lot in return, such as basically a life debt. So once you have been blessed by the death angel, you are now intended to, you are now like indebted to them to the point of bringing in riches and gold and offerings without expecting anything return anymore. You're now doing it as like, you are just in servitude to this God. And I say God loosely, it's like a quote unquote God. Um, Basically, so it can continue to grow its hoard, but also if you... If you die as one, you become what's called these um, indentured spirits, which is now in death, indebted to the said death pact angel. Uh, But we'll get more to that in a second when I actually get into the indentured spirits. But a quick rundown. If you want to fight a death pact angel, don't. Um, They are CR 14, (laughs) (laughs) which comes from an AC of 18, a a regular speed, but also a fly speed of 90. Uh, and they are spellcasters that can charm you, paralyze you, and raise the dead. Plus, they have all kinds of magical resistances, so just don't. <laughs> no. I feel like that's our advice on a lot of things. It's just <laughs> don't just fight don't it. don't fight it. Just just walk away. One hundred percent. But the other thing is, like when you when you if you're coming across a death pact angel, you are probably going to come across its servants, which, as I mentioned, is the indentured spirits. Um, so, of course, these are found in the Book of Ravnica as well. But if you look at the art, they appear like like very Death Reaper-y. Like they're like fully like robed and clothed, but they also have like large chains that they wear around their necks and their arms to represent their servitude to the angel in Orzhov. Um, and as mentioned previously, they are basically the spirits of the dead that have now owed a life debt to the Death Angel, Death Pact Angel, and now live only to basically die for the Death Pact Angel. So what that means is if an indentured spirit sees the death angel fall uh, to zero hit points, they will sacrifice themselves to bring her back to life or them back to life. So basically, in my mind, this if you're a death pact angel, you're going to have a bunch of these around just in case something mm-hmm. pops off, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you fight one, here are some stats. So they are a CR of one uh, with an AC of 11 with only 13 hit points and a fly speed of 40. Uh, they're average in all stats except for wisdom, which is basically only a plus one. So at, at first bluff, they don't look very frightening. They're just like these weird ghost things with chains that float around. You know what I mean? It's like, if you hit it, it might die. However, comma, they're immune to being charmed, exhausted, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, and restrained. <laughs> wow. Also, <For> a CR1? <laughs> <laughs> also immune to cold and necrotic damage. <clears throat> they're also resistant to... Acid, fire, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical items. Yeah. So they're hard to hit. (laughs) They're hard. Like, it's one of those things when you hit it, you hit it. But, like, (laughs) 
Um, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, these are basically ghosts floating around. So it kind of makes sense that they're, you can't really just poke it with the stick, the pointy end, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's going to be harder to hit it. Um, and when it comes to its abilities, all they really have is what's called incorporeal movement, which means they can float through objects. Uh, they just treat it as difficult to rain. Uh, and, but if they end their turn inside something, they take 1d10, uh, force damage. Other than that, they have one attack called the Withering Touch, which is a plus three to hit melee attack with a 3d6 necrotic damage. That is it. Because like their main their main thing is to be servants of this Death Pact Angel and mm-hmm. then just be around to bring her back to life. Yeah. Right. So they're just hanging out. Right. All right. Um, so that's pretty much it for the Death Pact Angel and its indentured spirits. So let's raise some dice and chat some shit. 17. 14. 10. Amazing, Casey. All right. As always, interesting quest options for these folks. Um, I would like the quest to be before they actually become the indentured spirit. Like, I would want to know how they got to be that way. Yeah. Whether that's them as they're living and they have had this pact done and then they realize, like, oh, shit, I am going to be serving this thing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, like they didn't read the fine print until after it was done and yeah. are asking you for help. <laughs> um, I think that would be a fun quest idea. Take it, take it back before, before it actually happens and maybe see how it happens. And yeah, they die like in the fight or something and then get raised as one of these. Yeah. I was thinking something along the lines. It was kind of similar along those lines, but it would be like the family of someone mm-hmm. who has been missing and like, went missing or whatever and you're you're gonna go and try and find them and then you find out that they have long since passed and are now operating in servitude to this one thing and like the quest is to try and find a way to free them or release them or kill them and then have that hard conversation with the family at the end right like i think that would be a really really fun emotional roller coaster horror story kind of thing yeah yeah like, well, at least they're at peace now. At least. <laughs> I killed them, so now they can rest. There you go. Where's yeah. my reward? <laughs> they left because you guys were starving, so they went and traded their life for a lifetime of food for you. Like, can you imagine, like, their life just got infinitely better, but they were missing this one person, and they're like, this doesn't matter to us because, like, dad's yeah. missing. And it's like, it's like you know what I mean? <laughs> I love all these riches and we're like, we have sheep coming out the wazoo, but you know, dad didn't come home. So like, what's up with that? You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> you should maybe look into that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that could also be like a, a, a quest thing too, is that people come from all over to visit this one death packed angel because they are constantly building up their army of these things so that people will come from all over the world just to like get their wishes wishes in kind of thing mm-hmm. and then this whole area becomes like all servitudes of this thing and it's like desecrated ground in the whole nine yards right you know i just have like a haunted town yeah yeah what about you casey well i got some um inspiration from adam and some like trauma from our previous campaign <laughs> That tracks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking if you had your party encounter a death pact angel, like far before they are supposed to, and maybe they're a bit bold and maybe they don't understand that they should not fight this thing. And so they do. And the death pact angel entertains it for a while. Um, 
but before all actually killing anyone or causing a TPK, it kind of pauses. I assume it can interact quite well. Um, like it has languages and it offers the party a deal. And we'll assume the party also has some NPCs around, <laughs> but offers them a deal to um, take one of their group as a like indentured servant and they must decide now. And so the party has to decide to give up someone to go with the death pact angel. And this could be earlier in the campaign. It more than likely will be an NPC. <laughs> no, it'll be Dan's then, character. 100% yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, yeah like, it could yeah. be. And then that would just add a whole lot of, of uh, midweek content for the DM and that player character. It, but, would be, it would be really cool though to like because I think we did this once I think Dan's character actually did this with the hags and then he ended up getting a point in warlock I think oh he, yeah because he made a pact with them so I feel like that would be a similar vibe to the, what you're saying is like yeah, yeah if you make a pact with it the character doesn't really have to go anywhere right now mm-hmm. but you yes. now have a level of warlock and you are a servant to this thing yeah yes yeah. yes good very good point because that was that was another point of trauma <laughs> campaign so many points of trauma (laughs) yes just all trauma (laughs) you could just like really make the players hone in on their alignment and and like where they stand and whether they're going to do this and or you could also serve up an npc that actually then like at the dm's discretion could have to go with the death pact angel and then you know many months Potentially later, you re-encounter this death pact angel and you see your friend and they might still be a servant, but they may have ended up being one of these spirits as well. Mm -hmm. And so you may encounter them once as a servant and then you may encounter them even a third time and then they're finally a spirit and you're just like, or (laughs) you sacrifice and you kill them off just to save them from this like endless like bout of servitude to this creature but then it just bounces back as an indentured spirit and it's like well shit (laughs) fuck (laughs) so I feel like yeah there's just so much um you, you could throw at a party to do like questioning making a decision in that moment that would be a drastic like impact on the group with this yeah that's where I went Hey man, we always like to talk about our traumas here. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. Safe space, safe space. The internet is a safe place to do that, you know. Basically like. our therapy. <laughs> uh speaking of which, the next topic is existential horror and or body horror, shall we say? I think I would just go with like a hollowness. Like they would just feel empty. Mm-hmm. Their life purpose is gone. Their only purpose at this point is to serve. And so there would be just an emptiness in their eyes. Do they have eyes? <laughs> They're hooded like ghost creatures. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I feel like you could give them like weird little ethereal eye sockets, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they would definitely be like like airy and ethereal and non-existent almost like to your point dead right yeah yeah Yeah. like there would you could look at their face to see if they were that person you were looking for but you could clearly tell that person is not there anymore yeah just looking at like just their expression is gone their eyes are empty 
um, just like a hollow moaning or whining. That's how I would go. Just, just empty. Yeah. A shell of, of what they used to be. 100%. Like I would lean into almost like the uh, exploration piece as to wondering if one of these is around. I get like, what are those things called? Dementors in fucking Harry Potter. This is the mm-hmm. vibe I get from them. So like the area is going to be cold because like one of the one of the resistances they have is to cold damage. I'm assuming that is because they are cold and undead. Right. Yeah. So I feel like if these are around, like the temperature is going to drop. So your rogue wearing nothing but a thin tunic, it would probably like be super chilly and super cold. You know what I mean? So you can kind of lean into that from the environment standpoint. Yeah. And like a sense of dread just in the air. Yeah. yeah. Like the life is like almost like the air, like the life has been sucked out of the room. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of feeling. But like also like the chains are a big thing. Because I, I imagine what is that fucking Christmas story one with like the. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can think of. And like, I think that's part of my childhood trauma. Even the Muppets version of the uh-huh. Christmas like tale with like the, the ghost with the chains on him and shit like that. Like yeah. rent, free, rent free in my head from a <laughs> horror standpoint, like that visual and like that sound. I always think of the Scrooge McDuck version of that. (laughs) But it's always so scary. Like, I don't know what it is about, like, ghosts with chains. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a strange... Because if you can't stick it with the pointy end because it's a ghost, how is it carrying ghost chains? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're hearing them, you know? You're hearing the clanking. Yeah. Not about it. Yeah. They just, like, however you can exude hopelessness, you know? Like, they... They have no empathy. They probably won't really react to anything. If you recognize one of these, you can probably attempt to interact and you might need to roll really, really high to try and convince them that like they know you. And like, it would just be a very sad scenario (laughs) to observe Mm -hmm. these. And I think even if you're potentially going in somewhere and there it's, more of a sense of combat or intensity these creatures won't even react to that like they are simply just migrating and milling around the the death pact angel and are just like existing just this creepy sea of creatures that you have to kind of sift your way through and they probably wouldn't even react if like you tried to like touch them or like move past them they would just kind of just be there like hollow like you said pepperina Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i mean that bleeds right into like the next section which is going to be like the role playing and like exploration clues um anything that you would add to that peps um yeah i think i mean going into like the exploration and clues and stuff um you could get like maybe if before you see them just like have you ever been into a place that you think's haunted and you just feel like something is watching you like that sort of feeling before you actually know that they're there you just feel like it's off there's Mm -hmm. something here with you you don't know what um sort of a vibe um yeah role-playing though I think it would just be that emptiness like they're they wouldn't really talk they wouldn't react it would just be yeah well they exist for one purpose and one purpose only yeah right I also feel like they wouldn't attack you they would almost want to guide you to where the death angel death pact angel is right Mm -hmm. like bring you to where they are so that you can also like live in servitude to this angel right like that's their whole purpose so I feel like they wouldn't be aggressors. They would mm-hmm. just be like these, and there'd be tons of them in my mind, just floating around in like these tombs or these cathedrals. Like if you think about where you would find them, like technically within the Ravnica book, they're specifically within a cathedral. 
but I feel like you can place them in any kind of like tomb or um, any kind of cathedral or religious space, right? Like Mm -hmm. anywhere where gods are worshipped, you can put a death pact angel there, which means that area will then be filled with these things. And it would just be common that they're there because it's just a part of this angel existence. For this to exist to give you boons, these have to exist. And -hmm. if you don't bother them, they won't bother you. And I think that would be the vibe I would want to have almost going into a town for the exploration clues. You'd be like, guys, like you have ghosts all over the place. And they'll be like, yeah, that's normal. Like that's, yeah. that's because of the God that's here. And it's yeah. like, yeah. And then if you have like, you know, your non-wise kind of impulsive barbarian of the group that just tries to take a swipe at one just to see what happens like because of all of the immunities resistances nothing actually happens but it may trigger like if it gets swiped at and nothing actually happens and then you just see all of the other ghosts that that are in visual like turn and start mm-hmm. looking, even though th- there probably won't be combat, but they all suddenly are extremely aware that you are all there. And just that to give that sense of like, you may have just pissed something off. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like 50 they, they, of them that just turn and look at you slowly and like, yeah. start, like and start hoarding in like they yeah, just like, like slowly coming and still you. with no emotion. They uh-huh. just it's just like they've reacted because one of them was hit with something, but they're just they've just turned and now are migrating towards it. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be there. <laughs> because like certain, if I feel like if they felt you were being aggressive, they would attack in the in the sense of like, I am going to protect my God. Mm-hmm. So they would probably start just forming this large wall of themselves yeah. between you and where the death pact angel is so that you can't get to her because yeah. they'll be yeah. like, okay, well, if you're going to be aggressive, then you can't come in, <laughs> you know? Like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not welcome anymore. <laughs> yeah. And like to portray that with and try and just drive it with like zero emotion. Like they are not going to be intimidating or aggressive they are just yeah like they only have that one task so like that would bring a really eerie thing to it if you could pull it off as a dm yeah 100 (laughs) all right what do we got next next we have the phantom warrior so the phantom warrior is a spectral version of a soldier or knight who died in the lines of battle or died fulfilling their sworn duty Um, details on the Phantom Warrior can be found in the Curse of Strahd book. So unlike a ghost, it is unable to pass over due to something unresolved or a god keeping it in the living world or being a servant. It has actually chosen to stay as a spirit and continue doing its duties. A Phantom Warrior usually will rise within 24 hours of following its death and As an example, if, say, they were a soldier that was guarding a wall or guarding a door, if they died doing that, they can return as a phantom warrior and then will just continue to guard the wall or door indefinitely by choice. Um, It does remember how it died and retains only short-term memories, specifically 1d10 plus 10 days before it died. So it will remain at the same alignment 
but it will have no memory of potentially like family, how it grew up, where it came from, none of that. It really will only remember basically its duties that it was doing when it died and just continue doing that. Even though they are translucent spirits, they can use the energy around them to, to, to defend against attacks as though they have real armor or a shield as well but they can still move through walls. So they have weapons, they have armor and shields visually, but they are still spirits that can move through like stone and wood. They have undead nature where they do not require air, food, drink, or sleep and um, are pretty interesting. So let's get into some of the stats on this thing. Is that a, is that a fire truck outside your house? <laughs> Like it is active out there today. And I even closed the window. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> All right. So the Phantom Warrior are medium undead and they are any alignment because they will be the same alignment as they were in life. They have an AC of 16 due to the spectral armor and shield they have. HP of 45 and a speed of 30 feet. They are a challenge rating of three. For stats, the highest stats are charisma at plus two and strength and con at plus three. Dex and wisdom are average at plus zero and intelligence sits below average at minus one, which I think tracks with their memory loss and also their ability to use the energy around them and still be task driven. So they know one thing, one thing only, but yeah, they don't really have a recollection of even probably why they're doing that or any insight into that part. They are skilled in perception at plus two and stealth at plus four. And they have some damage resistances and immunities I'll go through too. So damage resistances to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical attacks. Damage immunities of cold, necrotic, and poison, which is pretty standard, I would say at this point. Condition immunities to charmed, exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, and restrained. <laughs> we love ghosts for this reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they also have dark vision of 60 feet and a passive perception of 12, and it will know the languages it knew in life. So you definitely get the sense of like, they are they are a fraction of what they were in life, but really have no sense of loyalty or history or family in that sense. They're just doing the job that they know they have been doing. That they signed up for. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. hopefully it's not the worst job <laughs> that they've just decided, no, I, I haven't fulfilled this yet. I'm just going to keep doing bed pens <laughs> but that's like could you imagine like the old your the time frame that you rolled was like the one day like mm -hmm. they, yeah. they have one day of their past memory where it's just like i decided to do this for the rest of my life and then mm -hmm. they that's what they do for the rest of their life oh, <laughs> they're unlife yeah. <laughs> yeah more than likely yeah this will be a warrior or a knight though that has been doing something a little bit more worthwhile um so in terms of abilities they have something called ethereal sight it can see 60 feet into the ethereal plane while it's on the material plane 
and vice versa. And it has incorporeal movement. So just like ghosts, it can move through other creatures. But instead of stat damage, the target takes 1d10 force damage if it ends its turn inside an object. So I think that is the same as the one you talked about, Megan, where, yeah, moving through always bad stopping just, is extra bad <laughs> just, just just ghost things you know what just i mean ghost. just ghostings <laughs> yeah uh in terms of actions they have a spectral long sword uh which is a plus five to hit five foot reach in one target and on a hit deals 1d8 plus three force damage so this is really leaning into it's pulling energy from around it and it just uses force damage and like for energy and and all of that um it does get multi-attacks so it can make two attacks with its long sword and it has etherealness so it can move between the ethereal and material planes and it is visible on the material plane while it is in border ethereal and vice versa so it can kind of move and you can observe it moving between planes um, but while it's in border ethereal it cannot be affected and it cannot affect anything else so it can kind of go into this like gray area where like you can no longer attack it but it also can't attack you yeah it's just like in a video game when a button goes gray and you can't touch it so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nope you do not yeah. have enough points to do this <laughs> We haven't really talked too much about um, planar movement with many of our creatures. So I think this is kind of the first one we're diving into that. Uh, So other than that, there is one other variant of the Phantom Warrior that you can encounter in um, a specific part of the Curse of Strahd story. Um, It is in the mansion of the silver dragon Argenvost called Argenvost Holt. Phantom warriors are guards in the beacon turrets and they have, in addition to the spectral long sword, they have a spectral long bow, um, which they can do multi-attack with. So that gives them then the option to use the long sword or long bow for two attacks. The long bow has plus two to hit a range of 150 to 600 feet with one target and on a hit does, again, 1d8 force damage. So, yeah, we're seeing, you know, piercing and slashing weapons, but they only do force damage. Yeah, and that is the Phantom Warrior. I think, kind I mean, those, a... those two variations make sense, because then you kind of have, like, your regular sword warrior, and then your ranged warrior, like, you have an option to do either or. So mm-hmm. no matter what character falls or dies or decides to take this kind of an oath of servitude and death, um, you, you can flavor it to whatever kind of warrior you had right totally. so yeah yeah cool all right ladies let's raise some dice 11 13 not one Atta girl <laughs> so proud of you oh, all right <clears throat> well i'll kick us off then nice. with some sweet sweet quest ideas i enjoy the idea that you've gone to like a complete and total desolate area and there's just this one warrior that's just left and like yeah. They don't look ethereal. They just have, there's just a warrior standing at the gate, right? And then you'd be like, okay, well, like, there's nothing here for you to guard. And he's just like, again, I only have one day of my past life memory. And I was, I dedicated my life to standing guard here. It reminds me of like, um, 
I, I talk about the labyrinth every once in a while, like the David Bowie labyrinth, but it reminds mm-hmm. me of like Ambrosius and like his dog or whatever that are in like the bog of eternal stench. And his job is just to guard this bridge. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for him to guard this bridge. He's just there. Mm-hmm. And then he says, you can't pass without my permission. And like starts getting like angry with the people trying to cross the bridge. And then like, and at the end, like at the end of like a verbal scuffle, finally one of them's like, do we have your permission? And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody crosses the bridge. Like that's the kind of interaction I see in my head. Not necessarily so haunting. And this is because I love going for like super haunting when it comes to what we're talking about. Like, cause we're talking about the undead, ethereal mm-hmm. ghosts, scary shit. I find this one to be funny as fuck. And I think it would be a good way to add a little bit of humor into like a a somewhat serious storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you are playing a dark and sinister storyline with a lot of death and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, samurai sadness, it's just like, it would be, a. I find I would add one of these in there for comedic relief, to be honest with you. What about you, Peps? Um, Yeah, I sort of had like a sort of similar idea, just that the thing that they're guarding doesn't need guarded anymore. But they like they don't know that. And it's having to like try and talk them into like, yeah, you've done a great job guarding this for a 100 years. But like the whole family that you're guarding it for is gone. Um, And so you don't need to be here. Like there's, there's no reason for you to be here anymore. Um, Like, I don't know, maybe a new, somebody bought that property and are like, well, we really need in there. (laughs) Yeah. But we have this problem. So I don't know if you could go take care of it for us. (laughs) I feel like that would be like a super sad way to introduce that. Cause like you would Mm -hmm. have like maybe like a family in a mansion or something like that. And like the the butler warrior or whatever decided mm-hmm. I will devote my life to this family and I will I will I will serve them for the rest of my life and then dies does the thing and then they now guard this family yeah family moves yeah and they're just like okay well the family I was meant to spend my life guarding is gone and now they just roam the halls of this fucking mansion and like that's just mm-hmm. one of the ghosts that's in this mansion is it looking yeah. for the family that it's supposed to be protecting? So it's not necessarily going to be aggressive towards you, but it would tell you a very sad tale, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there will be huge gaps in their story, right? Because they they might not quite even remember like how long they've been there or everything. They will, they will remember like the family name, but, you know, details will be gone. And I think there is the potential here too that like, they know languages, they they have chosen to remain and do this duty that if you can roll high enough or be convincing enough, you could like give them insight that what they're doing is no longer applicable. Like mm-hmm. you're, you could be tasked, like you said, Peps and Megan, like it's been guarding a mansion that is empty. And they haven't been able, because of poor roles or whatever, like no one has been able to convince them to move on or that the family is gone or the family is dead. And so you're tasked with somehow we need to convince them that their their job is no longer needed. And you can go about that a few different ways. You can do it by trying to just talk to them and convince them, just move on, man. (laughs) Like just let it go. Um, you could also 
convince them that they their shift is over and convince them that someone else is taking over their role. And that is how they can move on. It's like, no, we have this whoever coming in to replace you as guard or replace you as like patrol. So you no longer need to do this and then convince Mm -hmm. them to, you know, move on that way. But it could be a lot of like more your your charismatic characters that are like coming to to shine in these moments or not. And be like Mm -hmm. that. Or they fail all their roles and then you have to get your tanks in there. (laughs) Dude, like I just I just had another really fun idea. Um, Speaking to like adding on to what you're saying, Casey, about like it being attached to like a family or how you're saying it's attached to a mansion. Let's say that family moved away. It had a daughter or a kid. Everybody has a tragic backstory of their house that burned down or their parents Mm -hmm. that died or what have you. Your character returns to your old stomping grounds, goes to where your old, how your childhood home was. And like, there's this ghost guard standing there and they recognize you. And then you now have a haunt, like basically in, Mm -hmm. in Elphabar, it's called, you are now haunted, but like, you now have a haunting of this ghost, but they're built to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. Or they don't recognize you because when you left, you were a small child and now you're an adult. Yeah. And you have to convince them that this is I your am house. I am who I say I am. Yeah. yeah. Or they think you are the mom or you are the dad because yeah. you look very similar to them. And it's yeah. like, wait, you're not quite her, but you look really, really like her. I don't you, understand. <laughs> you have the essence of her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right. Um, existential horror, body horror kind of stuff. Um, I find with these ones, one of the things if I wanted to make it more horror-esque is depending on how they died, they would still have that wound. Mm-hmm. So if they died in battle and like had their head cut off, they are carrying their head around. If they lost their arm, their arm is like tucked, uh, like it's hanging from their belt, like, mm-hmm. cause they picked it up and it's just like hanging there, but they don't, they can't attach it. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like I would play on that. If I was going to bring one of these into the game is like, how did you die? Because that stays with you. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Peps? I think I would play around with their ability to like jump through different, like the ethereal plane and their like border plane and stuff. And just have that like moment where a hand comes out of nowhere. And then like this body steps out behind it. Um, and you yeah. don't know where it came from you just all of a sudden see something go through something and like in the middle of a field or a room like not necessarily just through a wall but just out of nowhere you see a hand and then a thing emerge after it um i think i would play around with that kind of thing yeah that's totally where i went to was like play with the the planar movement and completely mess around with your highly like perceptive players (laughs) where it's like no, I rolled like 20. <laughs> Where did yeah. this thing come from? It came from the center of the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That painting in the corner is not a real painting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Megan, I really liked how you said from potentially far away or even up close, they don't necessarily look like a spirit or ghost like. Uh, I started, I immediately went to like six cents. Where they like, yes, they know that they are like, they've died. They remember that and they're doing Mm -hmm. this. But perhaps for interactions, they wouldn't. They would just be like, well, I am guarding this or 
I patrol this area. And so I need to stop you. You can't go in. And it's just like this disheveled mansion behind them. It's like, what, what is happening? And then it takes a while for um, you to realize that this is a spirit, not just some like crazed guy. Yeah. It's (laughs) going to be, it's going to be like your warlock or your necromancer. That's going to be like, "Mm, that might be a dead guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, role-playing and exploration cruise ideas. So uh, they're going to have a one-track mind, I think, is the easiest way to role-play these out. Like, they're going to have one role, one specific thing that they talk about. They don't really care what you're doing as long as you aren't getting in the way of their duty and their job. I think that's the only way they would become an aggressor is if you are actively doing something against what they're they told themselves they're going to do for the rest of their life right and i mean i like how we like discuss like yeah they're probably like guarding some kind of a mansion and they have this like big to-do job but really it just might be a goblin who counts coins you know what (laughs) i mean like his job is to make sure that the the treasury is intact right (laughs) this is my so it can be boring and shit too right like it doesn't have to be overly exciting like in any way shape or form but it's just they just decided they weren't done yet so they're like (laughs) they're like no around I love my job I want to keep doing my job for the rest of my life my job is to count these coins and I'm going to count these coins my job is to pull my boss's hair out of their bathtub that is what my job is (laughs) I will do that for the rest of my life for this person but uh yeah again one track mind that's the only thing Mm -hmm. I can really like emphasize with these but what about you peps Yeah, I think it would almost like if you tried to have a conversation with them to try and figure out what's going on, it would almost reach a frustrating point because they only have that short memory. So you're going to try to get more information out and they only have a very specific amount. And like your party's going to be like, but why? (laughs) (laughs) But why are you here? Where did you come from? What is going on? And they're like, I know these three things. And that's all I (laughs) could tell you. That's all you got. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Casey? Yeah, completely agree. Like that short term memory is just will be hilarious to role play. Frustrating. (laughs) And it is what it is. It's like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) You know, like I'm doing this because I have. Yes. Yeah. Um, And in terms of exploration and clues, um, my mind went to like Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the ghosts under the mountain that Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli go get. Um, so not necessarily, like, I know they are stuck there because of like other reasons, not relating to how this one would be by choice, but when they are walking and trying to find them, there was like that haunting, like eerie moans and like shudders under the mountain and like lots of like skeletons and skulls and stuff. But it was like that, that eerie sound that mm-hmm. like, it, I remember the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. Like, <laughs> and like how Gimli's like, fuck this. I don't want to be in here. <laughs> Yeah. Wasn't their whole but, thing too, like that they had to convince them that like, cause their job was to serve like the one King or whatever. And then they had to convince them that yes, he is the King. You, you owe him servitude basically. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much these. these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think like if you ended up having, you know, like, cause, cause it could be a captain and a legion of soldiers who got wiped out for whatever reason and are just incomplete, like, no, that like we 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 failed but we're we're sticking around to try mm-hmm. and keep doing this 
And so then you might have, you know, they're trying to deter you from coming into the area and you're going to get that creepy, like definitely someone's watching you, some eerie sounds, some like just ghostly shutters that are coming out from seemingly nowhere because they could be in a, in another plane and like surrounding you or walking with you. You just can't see them yet. Yeah. They're just waiting <laughs> to see what you're going to do first. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as you get like this far, they just pop up in front of you and it's like, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you have no idea where they came from. Uh, final thoughts and or combat ideas. I think the only thing that I would add is that like, this would be a really cool thing as a DM to offer a player if their character dies. Be like, your character could live on in the campaign as this kind of a warrior. Roll me 1d10 to find out how long your memory is and tell me what your task would be. Mm-hmm. And then now your character still lives within the world, but they are now tasked with one thing. And it could be my task is like, my, like let's say my character and Casey's character were best friends. And I'm like, well, my job for the rest of my life will be to protect this person. Mm-hmm. And then now you have your, at your PC is now an NPC that is following somebody around in servitude. Right. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it. And they can just yeah. be in another plane. <laughs> yeah. Very convenient. It's like, we'll pop you out when we need you. Yeah. <laughs> Put you in a jar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think for like combat and stuff, I would definitely play around with the different planes in that. Um, especially if you have players that like to use like the blink spell or the rangers that can go to the ethereal ethereal plane. Um, you know, if you have a party like that, I would definitely throw these in. Like you blink into the other plane and there's one of these guys just standing there. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. Uh, like I <laughs> um Or just like you walk into if they're supposed to be guarding this tomb or, you know, this wall or um, something like that. You walk through the door and an arrow shoots out of the middle of the room and it's them shooting through the ethereal plane, Mm -hmm. a warning shot at you. Uh, But like, where did that arrow come from? You know, so I would I would have them jumping in and out, I think, during combat back and forth. You don't know where they're at. You don't know exactly where they've went. Um, unless you happen to to blink over there, which then you're alone. I've done that before with the blink spell in a haunted house. Or <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I went to the ethereal plane and oh, there's a ghost looking at me and I am stuck here now and it's moving towards me. Yeah, and the oh, ghost God. is like, I'm sorry, this yeah. is my home. Yeah, um... what, are you... <laughs> what are you doing hey, here? <laughs> new fear unlocked. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Careful where you blink to. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Apparently my DM got tired of my bullshit. <laughs> T- tired of your bullshit. Ghosts. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do really like that they um they have weapon attacks, but they do force damage only because that is one, I've said this before, it's noticeably one of the few um damage types that are like most most races or classes don't have um resistance or immunity to that that is one that is really hard to to go against um so when so they will probably take a lot of hits because of all their resistances and immunities but then their attacks will always probably hit and like do damage yeah like no matter what so it could be pretty dicey and frustrating (laughs) 
Yeah, because yeah. it's not it's it's a it's a ghost sword. It's not a you know what I mean. It's not like mm-hmm. a a real blade with that's sharp. So you're not gonna get slashing. Exactly. It makes sense that you just get like hit with a ghost bat. You know what I mean? Yeah, like- <laughs> you're just like thrown across the room, and yeah. you don't actually get like a wound. You're just tossed. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. All right, what's next? Okay, that's me. Um, and I have the Falaskia. I don't know if that's saying it right, but that's how I say it in my head. Philaskia. It's kind of like phylactery, but phylaskia. Phylactery. (laughs) Phylaskia. I'm saying it as Midwest as possible. Um, So the lore on Philaskia is only about two sentences long in the mythic Odysseys of Theros. Basically, they are guards of the underworld. Like most of the undead we cover, they don't need air, food, drink, or sleep. So they really make the perfect guard as they never need to go off duty. Should you come across one, they will show no mercy and will heavily judge you. Should you choose not to obey their orders, they will not hesitate to kill you. Looking at them, they are a large undead, so they will be taller than pretty much all of your party. They are heavily armed skeletons wearing plate armor and carrying a longsword. In the artwork, they have glowing purple eyes. Their armor has depictions of beasts on the shoulders and helmet, and they have chains hanging off of them and scraps of fabric from their belt. I feel it's important to give just a brief description of the underworld here so that we know exactly what it is they may be guarding. Um, the underworld is has different wards in each, and it's seemingly vast and endless in each of these wards. Uh, depending on who you were in life is which ward you go to in death. There's one for heroes, one for those lost at sea, one for those who committed unforgivable crimes, and even one for those who just weren't very impressive in life. It is nearly impossible to travel these wards by foot, but it is possible to find portals and even to bargain with demons to help you get around or even attempt an escape. However, it's not going to be as simple as just walking through a portal, and that's where the Phylaskia come into play. Looking at their stats, like I said, they are a large undead. They are lawful neutral, and their CR is 9. They have plate armor, which gives them an AC of 18, an average of about 104 hit points, and a 40-foot movement. Strength is their highest uh, stat with a plus 5, then their constitution is a plus 4, wisdom has a plus 3, and dex and charisma has a plus 2. Their intelligence is average with a plus 0. For saving throws, they get a plus 8 to constitution and a plus 7 to wisdom. Skills, they get plus 7 to insight and perception. They are immune to necrotic and poison damage and to the conditions of blind, charm, deafen, exhaustion, frightened, and poisoned. They have true sight for 120 feet, which really plays into their vigilant ability, which means they cannot be surprised. And rounding out their stats, they speak all languages. Along with the vigilant ability, they also have Gatekeeper's Aura. Any creature that starts its turn within 10 feet of the Phylaskia must make a wisdom save. On a successful save, you're immune to this aura for 24 hours. On a failed, you have disadvantage on saving throws and your speed is halved until the start of your next turn. They also get Undead Fortitude, which we've seen in some undead creatures in the past. This allows them 
to make a constitution save if they reach zero hit points. The DC is five plus the damage taken, unless it's radiant or a crit. If they succeed, they drop to one HP instead. For actions, they get a multi-attack with two long swords and one strength drain. Their longsword gets a plus 9 to hit and has a reach of 10 feet. On a hit, it does 2d8 plus 5 slashing or 2d10 plus 5 if they're using it two-handed, plus 2d10 necrotic damage. On top of that, they can also use Strength Drain once, uh, which is another melee weapon attack with a plus 9 to hit and a 5-foot reach. On a hit, it does 2d6 plus 5 necrotic damage. Unless the target is immune to necrotic damage, they also take a D4 reduction to their strength score. If your strength is reduced to zero, then you die. Otherwise, the reduction lasts until the end of a short or long rest. Uh, ability score hits. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. the worst. <laughs> That's a big one. That's a big, especially if you're like hitting a wizard or something like that, you know, does not have yeah. much strength, like a wizard with your average or lower strength that takes you down in two hits. If you roll good, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. <laughs> Don't fight these ones. The aura gives me like undead paladin vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's yeah, definitely mm-hmm. like one of their like popped auras or whatever. Yeah. And like their attacks technically kind of read as smites to me too. Like mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I definitely get that feel. Interesting, interesting. Right. So that's the Phylaskia. All right, <laughs> ladies, let's raise some dice to the Phylaskia. Phylaskia. Four. Sixteen. Seven. Amazing. I love this for us. All right, Peps, cool quest yes. idea. Start us off. Quest idea. So like I said, these are primarily in the underworld is where you're going to find them. Um, I would definitely have either you, your party has went down to the underworld to find somebody, a spirit that they need to bring back, or one of your party members has died and is there um, and trying to get out. This could be a very interesting if your party member dies in this setting and is sent to the underworld and they have to find people to help them get out and you could have like a one-off with just one or two players that died in a combat previously yeah and they have to deal with this and the rest of your party is still up there not knowing what's going on so you're trying to wander the underworld and get out yeah i love the idea that you think they're going to be on the hero's plane and they're not Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you learn a little bit about their back history yeah. depending on what <laughs> level of hell they end up on you know yeah, what I mean yeah 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 what about you Casey yeah I got I don't know I imagine these come in pairs you didn't say that did you Peps? <laughs> um no it does like I said you get two sentences <laughs> Laura, I, I had to really pull <laughs> so you can do whatever you want Casey <laughs> so Excellent. you do you <laughs> Yeah, like I imagine these, yeah, more than likely in the applicable location, but it could be like they are guarding just like a very evil or very dark um, portal that potentially people have forgotten about for thousands of years. And I imagine uh, I'm going to never ending story again. That's another one that comes up a lot (laughs) where they have perhaps been there for so long that they look like stone or they haven't moved in a really long time. So it's like two guards that just don't look real or living um, or 
can move essentially sitting there. And it's only when you reach a certain point that they are triggered, but they are seeing you the whole time. Um, You could try and stealth your way through. Um, You could try and go in. If somebody gains insight that they are like, no, those are guards. Like we, we don't want to fight them, try and skirt by. It will never work. Mm -hmm. Um, Try and surprise attack. Let's, let's at least get one round of attacks on these things before like we go into full combat won't work all of these things that like you can do so much strategy and then you stroll up and it all just goes out the fucking window because these things are scary yeah <laughs> scary as shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it like I I've been in a campaign where we did the whole classic we went down to the nine hells and we had to like work our way from the, the ground plane up basically um and we didn't have these there which now I'm thinking mm-hmm. in my head I'm like that could have been a great thing to place like yeah we were playing in like a homebrewed version of what the underworld looked like because like the nine hells is a, is a different way of looking at it but there are different areas of you know this version of hell as well but I like the idea that there's different levels and different like there would be a guard at the beginning of e- the entrance of each level right mm-hmm. and yeah. each guard for each each by yeah will be a different <laughs> um, style of guard depending on which plane it's yeah. guarding mm-hmm. right whether they're like a little bit softer whether a little bit harder whether they're going to be a little bit more aggressive whether they're going to talk to you or just jail you right away like they'll have different attitudes so that bleeds right next like to like the, the role-playing aspect of it it's like in my mind it depends on what area of hell they are guarding Mm-hmm. in my mind would, would depict what their personality style is going to be like and how they're going to interact with your players when they just rock up to like the gates of fucking hell you know what I mean <laughs> but no, I remember it being like a lot of fun where it was like we were almost playing like in a like an escape room almost was the first level we were all jailed and we had clues in each one of our rooms that we had to like figure out how to get ourselves out of the jail and then like but in my mind the guards could have been these phylax phylaxia things like right but so in my mind I'm like now I would plop those in there if I ever ran that campaign again like it just it just seems really fitting but um existential horror I mean looking at the uh at the artwork they are very scary looking guys and they're huge like they're large creatures so if you've got you know a gnome in your party they're (laughs) they're quite larger than than most of your party is going to be so they'll just like overwhelming size of them I think would be um, a good thing to play off of they're just gonna make you feel very small yeah yeah and they're not gonna um they're not gonna try and intimidate they are just going to attack so as it's like as soon as they see like you could play it off as like yeah like they've been waiting (laughs) And then suddenly they see you. There is no like waiting for you to like if you're if you're you lock eyes, they're coming after you. So like Mm -hmm. charging, driving right up to your party. It's going to be very scary. And you're going to be like, oh, shit, we are in deep trouble, especially if there's more than one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also I I also just like thought of like the fact that I, I, I like Norse shit. And like I'm writing a uh, writing a campaign right now for like that's revolving around Valkyries, and like in my mind I'm like it would be really cool that this instead of like the classic guardian of a Valkyrie, these are just Valkyries of Hell instead of Valhalla, mm-hmm. and then they have these Phylaxia things that like are their guards, 
So when they come to reap the souls and bring them to the proper levels of hell, um, these things are with them. And if you're, you can't fight the Valkyrie without fighting this kind of thing. And now in my head, I'm like, I'm going to, I want to put these in there. (laughs) 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 And that's a good point. Like in this, and I did, you know, some Google searches and looked at some other sites. I could not find any other lore on these at all. (laughs) Um, but yep. I think you could very much put them in other settings. Like they are right now strictly in the underworld as guardians. But, you know, like you said, you could definitely put them in other places and yeah. give them a little different flavor. Because it doesn't say how they were created or who they once were, or, you know. Yeah. So you could add, as a DM, you could add so much to these, I think. Yeah, it's it, basically all they're doing is guarding things that are of the undead and they have really mm-hmm. cool abilities, right? Like even yeah. looking at the artwork, they look very skeletal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> There's Casey's face. Um, <laughs> but like you, could, in my mind, they would look like anything you want them to look like, right? Mm-hmm. And like to my point, like we're going to talk about role playing next, but like in my mind, if they're on a certain level of hell, they might not be an undead skeleton looking. Mm-hmm. They might be like, a demon like or an oni or you know something along those lines too right just with the abilities that come along with being a phylaxia yeah but yeah all right that being said then rolling right into role-playing i mean exploration clues they speak all languages so like there's not any sort of block there like we've found with other um undead creatures where they speak only one specific language or can't speak um while their intelligence, I think, was average, um, they did have an above average charisma on them. So I think talking to them is definitely like they're going to it says that they will judge you um, and then decide if they're going to kill you sort of thing. So they would definitely like stop would be their first like if you're getting too close to whatever they're guarding. Um, yeah. And if you don't listen to that, then straight combat. If you do then you can talk to them and try and convince them. But it's you're going to have to be extremely careful with your wording because if you say one thing they don't like, combat. Yeah. You know, yeah. they will not hesitate to jump into combat if they if like if they get the the weirdest little sense from you. Yeah. The dead. judgiest NPC. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you have to be rolling straight 20s the whole time. <laughs> Or your combat. <laughs> yeah, before we'll bring up that time that you stole the sandwich once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you can pretty much role play this as a like raging, hormonal, arrogant, giant asshole. <laughs> like get it in while you can against your party. <laughs> yeah, this this would definitely be like you could play them super chaotic, stupid, right? Uh-huh. Like or like lawful stupid, but in the worst way. Because yeah. like what they're being lawful for is probably not necessarily lawful because you're you're in hell, right? You're in hell. I mean, it's like, their it's their law. Yeah, yeah. They're like, they're like I'm sorry. This is this yeah. my job actually to judge you. I, so <laughs> how insulting would it be then if they're like, you don't belong? Like you end up you're in the hero one, and they're like, you don't belong here, and they take you to just the like average person. The average, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. <laughs> I was gonna say that when you first started describing them I was just like that'd be so fucking hilarious that if your party dies they rock up to like hell and then you find out through conversation with other people there that you're like in the mundane level of hell yeah yeah you're the the very much like you're just tasked with doing random like you are no threat to anyone yeah yeah 
Oh my goodness. Uh, Casey. Oh man. Role play or exploration. Yeah. (laughs) In terms of clues, I think more than likely if, if you're going to the underworld, you may have gained insight that, you know, the gates or the wards will be guarded. So you might have an idea of you're going to encounter something that you're going to have to potentially fight or skirt, try and skirt around and get through. But you may not, there may not be that many clues of what exactly these creatures are until you actually are face to face with them. Yeah. Um, I think you could, like, if you want to play a really fun combat heavy one shot or um piece of a campaign where like I liked how you said it's lots of different types um that are guarding but they're all the (laughs) phylaxias um you could have like slightly different environmental cues and maybe you're keeping an eye out to try and find the guard in those environments but they keep changing and say you have to go through like five different levels and you know that there's a guard there, but so you're trying to find it and seek it out. But every time you're in a different level, it changes. So yeah. you could play around with that a bit. That's true. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Final thoughts or combat ideas? Pepperina. I mean, their combat is crazy. Don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, don't. Don't fight it. <laughs> don't fight it if you, if you can't. Um, like, like we said, you can't surprise attack them. They can pop back up after they go down they have the aura which gives you disadvantage and halves your speed and they have a movement of 40 so that's already above average of Mm -hmm. what so if you if your monk gets hit with that and it halves their speed and these things have a 40 speed like that really evens that playing for it like Mm -hmm. that takes away what the monk does you know um and they have the 10 foot reach so they don't even have to be that close to you to hit you twice and then they can move in and hit you with the strength drain. So yeah, it's nasty. It's nasty. Don't do it. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, Kizzy? that strength drain definitely got to use it. This is, yeah, you know those times you use that ability. <laughs> um, and I think you could like role play the combat a lot with these because they speak so many languages. They have the high charisma, like. It may state, like, I'm going to suck your strength. You're the strongest. I will suck your strength and then do life drain and actually suck the strength out of your barbarian or your fighter. Or, like, if it comes up and gets within range of, like, your your squishies, like your wizards, and it just is, like, grabs the top of its head and just sucks the strength and then suddenly your wizard's down in, like, two rounds, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? You could just, it could be really scary and really bad really fast because of just that ability, let alone everything else it has. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you get away, then you have to find a place in the underworld to take a rest to get Mm -hmm. that strength back. Like that in itself is going to be very difficult to do. Yeah. I love people always say it'll go away with like a nice, nice evening time rest. It's like, Uh yes, but try and find a place to find eight hours of sleep in hell. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, my only final thoughts on combat would definitely be if they're going to, when, once they decide to fight you, they're going to show their strength right away. Mm-hmm. There won't be any pussyfooting around. They're going to get up into your face and they're going to hit you as hard as they can. And they're going to suck the life out of you as fast as they can. 
they're not, they're, they don't have time for your shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've got a full-time job. So they're just like, get out of my fucking way. You're being an idiot. Remove thyself is what, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. or I will remove thyself for you. <laughs> So I'm going to talk about a couple of other like undead servant options that are within the books. Um, But obviously in my mind, after going through this, you could basically make any undead creature a servant of something at some point somewhere, because Mm -hmm. it tends to be done with magic. (laughs) Ta-da! But the ones I'm going to talk about today come from the Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, The first one is going to be the Tomb Dwarves, uh, which are basically a dwarf mining group that were captured by a Sararak and then turned basically into whites and then utilized to build tombs and tunnels of their lair. Because the Sararak is like, you know how to do this thing. So instead of just asking you to do that thing, I'm going to just capture you, turn you undead, and then make you do the thing for your whole life. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. But yeah, as I mentioned, you can basically find them wandering and patrolling the tombs of the nine gods. And their stat block does shift a little bit depending on where you come across them. Kind of like what we what we were just kind of talking about, about the um, Bilaxias in the undead. In my mind, you could change their stat block based on where you find them. These ones actually do. Not by a lot. Like, there's not a lot to their stat block because basically they are a basic white. Um, but other, other you're either putting an axe in their hand or you're putting like a bow in their hand kind of thing. We did cover Sararak and whites in previous episodes. So if you want more details around those, feel free to listen to those episodes. But the key thing to note, because they're whites, they have life drain. So these little dwarves are just happily building these tombs all of a sudden, (laughs) dead. (laughs) Don't get in their way. Don't get in their way. They have a job. They have a full-time job to do and they don't have time for your shit. Yeah. (laughs) They don't have time for your building codes and your ocean violations. I don't need no permit. All right. Then there's also what they're called blind artists. This one I actually found particularly interesting and I actually noted it for me to use on a later date. Um, These folks, again, are found in the Tomb of Annihilation, but you will basically find three of them within the throne room in particular. They're also servants of a Sararak, and even though blind, they are there to paint and depict awful paintings of carnage and death that have happened throughout history. So when you're in this room, one is painting big paintings of like historical events that have occurred. The other two are specifically painting paintings of what your players and group have done within the tombs before getting here. So you'll see paintings of like, say one of your characters, one of your players died in the tombs. There will be a painting of that in this room, which I thought was really fucking cool. Yeah. um, For stats, however, they are just a basic zombie stat block, except they have blindsight of 30 feet. Um, So yes, they're not that strong. We've talked about regular zombies quite a bit. They're, they're, they're bones, you know, um, But spoiler alert, if you attack the painters or disrupt them, a zombie T-Rex will appear from the ground. And that is what you have to fight. (laughs) Love it. Love it. It kind of gives me me the vibe that these ones aren't meant to fight. They are just like painting historians that Aserak has kept around to like paint depictions of like his, you know, nonsense. So he doesn't want them to die, but like they're not strong. So he protects them with a T-Rex. (laughs) <laughs> I need one of those for when I'm painting minis and my whole family's asking me to make dinner or get them this. Mom. <laughs> Just a T-Rex pops up. Deal yeah. with that. I'm Boom. Painting. T-Rex. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's pretty much the only two that I was going to go over here. Um, let's just raise a dice and ask a question or two. Okay. Three. Great. Four. Ten. <laughs> How did I get first with a ten? <laughs> Good job, everybody. I'm so proud. <laughs> All right. Where, um, when and how would you include these in a campaign as a DM? There's so many, so many options here. 
yeah. so fun. Um, I want to, I would kind of want to blend the angle of the Phantom Warrior with the blind artists and that they became blind artists, artists do that endlessly by choice <laughs> where yeah. like mm-hmm. maybe there's Phantom Warriors guarding this area as well. And then you come across these blind artists that are just working away and you, they are starting to paint They're midway through painting your battle with one of the Phantom Warriors that was just outside. And you're like, what the hell? We just did that. How is it painting that? Uh, and you could do that anywhere they could be painting in a mansion they could be painting on the walls of caves that you're trying to navigate like you could kind of put them in different scenarios I think oh they're so much fun yeah I was definitely drawn to those and the tomb dwarves um love that you could have them in hordes just doing what they're doing and you could even be navigating through their region while they're just working away and like they may acknowledge you may not but they're just like walking by and you kind of have to skirt your way through and just the creepy horrorness of that would be really fun to drop and you could do that they could be um like working for any type of big bad evil guy that you want them to yeah love it peps yeah i would i mean the tomb dwarves i think would come in handy with a, a lot of big bads um you could have liches necromancers dragons just anything that has like a layer could have these building mm-hmm. their layer you know mm-hmm. you like go to the layer and they're like expanding it you see them building the wizard's tower or <laughs> like creating the cave that the dragon's in and like setting it up and digging out into the mountain for their horde room and and things like that like it's the dragon's new layer because we know they have multiples at this point so it's i need a new one over here you guys are gonna go over there <laughs> and i need one for my this. babies yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't want to give dig them around yeah yeah just like it would be like the expand like the west wing is being expanded don't uh-huh. want to go into the yeah. west wing you know yeah. what i mean like <laughs> Um, And for the blind artists, I would, like I said, you could also put those in just about any, you know, uh, big bads layer or anything like that. I would have them painting, like, we've all come up against, like, a haunted painting in a creepy room. And you look at it and it seems not quite right. This is what painted that. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is why that ghost is stuck in that painting. They put it there. Um, So I would give that sort of flavor to it. Yeah. I was going to say something similar. If I was to use the painting artists, I would definitely do like their paintings are living paintings. So Mm -hmm. they're constantly ebbing and flowing and changing uh, once the, once the painting is set and done. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I, I, I've played it in video games before and I've like seen it happen on like TV series where people end up falling into paintings Mm -hmm. and then like them having to do something or solve something before they can be released from the painting. I feel like I would have them painting one of those paintings that you get stuck in like an ethereal plane somewhere because mm-hmm. you hopped into this painting or something Ooh, um yeah. and then for I would the... have like paintings on the walls that are their other paintings and you have to like hop through a multiple like multitude of their paintings before you can find a way out of it so you're like stuck in a past vision somebody else's adventure that came to this place and they painted that and now you're stuck in that reality 
Yeah. Like your, your friend's spirit still exists, but it exists within this painting. And if you can get mm-hmm. that spirit back, you can bring them back to life. Mm-hmm. So you have to go yeah. through all these paintings to try and find your friend. Yeah. Like that'd yeah. be a lot and of fun. And it's like a puzzle where there is like, there's five paintings and one of them is the right one, but you may spend many an hour going <laughs> yeah. through the other ones. <laughs> and I feel like the painters wouldn't have a problem with it either. They'd be like, they wouldn't be the aggressive. It would be mm-hmm. almost like a methodical conversation of, yeah, yeah, like if you want to do this, go ahead. It's not going to yeah. be safe and we're not going to help you in any way, shape or form. But absolutely, yeah. let's see this play out. Right? Good luck. <laughs> I'll paint the result over here. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like I would make them a big, big bad in the end. Right. Like if you start destroying their paintings then they're going to come after you at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you do get your friend's spirit out, but like at the cost of you've destroyed pieces of history that have been painted and so now you are going to be accosted by these things for the rest of your life before so you can write history or something like that like i would do a campaign based on this like yeah hands Ooh. down you're forever waiting for a undead t-rex to i got to pull out that undead t-rex 100 <laughs> percent mm-hmm. um is there any horrifying detail you would lean into these like specifically at all that you found interesting um, I think they leave it pretty open to get as gory or horrifying as you want. You could easily tie in um, backstories. I I think the the artists and just what they paint and what you portray that as can be pretty horrifying. That's probably mm-hmm. the target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think the the painters could be a little more horrifying than the the dwarves. I don't know. I just see a colony of dwarves just doing their thing and they just happen to be dead. <laughs> yeah. They're just happy to have a job. You know what I mean? Like, like... <laughs> they're just doing their dwarf thing. <laughs> but I yeah. think like I would even put one of these painters in like a Call of Cthulhu game, I think. Yeah. Like it could it could fit into a lot of different like horror um games and that kind of thing. Yeah. I was even thinking like even for L5R, like it's arts in like Rokugan and L5R is it's a very tricky subject so I feel like it would be really really easy to put something like this into an L5R campaign as well mm-hmm. um that there's just a spirit that paints depictions and things like that like, it, anyways you could you could place it yeah. I think in any role-playing game in any like anywhere in your campaign you can if you just need a filler episode yeah you go into a town you come across a painter you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you could put them in anywhere like they don't have to just be a Sarah servants. They can just exist in the world. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's it. Cool. All right. So on a scale of one to 10 infinite loops, how would you rank these undead servants as a part of the undead landscape in D&D 5th edition? Uh, first up, we have the indentured spirits. These bitches are just oh. fodder. I give them a four. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's only one of them, then very like a one. You know, but if there's, like we said, if you have like a hundred of them around, I think the amount of them goes up, like levels their their score up a little bit more. Agreed. Yeah, but they're like the they're like the cockroach or the tick of fodder because if you try and just wipe them out, like let's just try and get rid of these, they're gonna take way too long and be way too annoying. Yeah. It's like, God, what do I have to do to actually kill this thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but generally not not that threatening um in terms of this. So yeah, below yeah. five. <laughs> All right, what about the Phantom Warriors? I don't find them that frightening, but again, to your point, I think if there were a lot of them, they would be a lot to handle. You're basically fighting a ghost version of like the skeleton warrior. Mm-hmm. So it does have more immunities. 
but they're not going to be that hard to down unless there's a horde of them in my mind. So I would probably around a four or five for me as well. They seem very generic for the ghosty ghost world. Yeah, I think their ability to jump in and out of different planes gives them just a little bit boost past average for me. Like maybe a six or so. Um, I think if your DM plays it right, I think that could be very tricky for the party to handle just the jumping in and out yeah and something new something that potentially you haven't thrown at them before in terms of like navigating an undead creatures yeah Yeah. Yeah. not only that but like navigating it through real planes like if you don't have anybody on your team that can do that or has done it and you know nothing about it it would be a little bit strange right yeah yeah like mass confusion yeah yeah Yeah. Where did they go? Where'd they come from? Yeah. Yeah. All right. The Falaskia. So good. They're (laughs) like, you know what? They are really good. Like, and they're they again to your point, Peps, your earlier point of like this screams undead paladin to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it does. And I fucking love paladins. And like the idea of fighting an undead paladin scares the shit out of me. So I gotta say, I gotta give like a a seven or an eight. Like I'm not I'm not like body horror scared of them, but I don't want to fight one. I think the first time you hit somebody and say, okay, reduce your strength by three, like that's going to be the point where your party is going to be like, fuck. Yeah. In our, in our recent campaign, we fought a lot of things that suck stats. Uh-huh. And all of us, and as soon as the first person goes down to the stat suck, we're all like, fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how do I protect my brain? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 95% of the time it was Dan. <laughs> 99.9% of the time. <laughs> yeah, so I'd give these probably like an 8 or so. Like they definitely I think have a lot going for them. I yeah. wish there was more. I wish there was more to the lore than <laughs> what I sort of made up and put out here. Yeah. Yeah, cuz they're so beefy and they in my opinion all the ones we talked about these are the most like horrifying and intimidating visually as well so i would put them third eight and a half nine for me yeah. all right tomb dwarfs as they are like whites i think when we, we talked about whites we rated whites technically pretty high because of like their life drain abilities but like uh-huh. the fact that these are dwarfs just doing their jab <laughs> like it's a yeah. one for me dog like <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would like to just like come across them because I think they could be a lot of fun, uh, but I'm not scared of them. No. <laughs> Other yeah. than the life drain, I don't think they have too much scary things going on for them. So yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say under, under four under, I'd say. <laughs> I want to. I want to find them though. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. go hunting for them. <laughs> uh-huh. I want to just yeah, see them and doing I, their thing. <laughs> I think they would be that thing that you would essentially overlook be kind of entertained maybe feel a bit sorry for them being like wow this is super shitty like I feel bad for all of these mm-hmm. then like one one of the players of course tries to like push one or like talk <laughs> like just piss one off and then it doesn't even really like you don't go into combat but it just like reaches out and does one hit of life drain yeah and then everybody's like oh shit kate never mind (laughs) there's like a thousand of them down there building whatever the fuck they're building so like you get one person hit with life drain and you're like nope 
I love, I love the idea that like the fact that this is a a visual (laughs) platform, but all of us raise Uh our hands like, no, we're backing off, we're backing off. Hard pass, hard pass, hard pass, we're not doing it. (laughs) One day we'll have to release a video of. All right. And the blind artist. I just think these are dope as fuck. So I want to give them a 10, but like Mm -hmm. from a, from a fighting them standpoint. Yeah. Unless you get fucked up by a T-Rex, like nothing, you're, you're going to be able to kill them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But from a badass, you could add them anywhere kind of strategy. These are the ones I would want to use the most. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. give them a 10 because yeah. I love them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think agree. I agree. Yeah. And well, just the fact that like, as if it's a T-Rex of all things. Yeah, the T-Rex <laughs> really. Why, why was that chosen? <laughs> I do love the T-Rex aspect of it. It could have been anything. It could have been a Draco Lich. It could have been <laughs> anything. Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I mean, to that end, you really could flavor that to just a really big, really powerful, like higher CR thing that mm-hmm. pops out that's applicable to your campaign. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you could even put like a Falaskia guarding it or one of the Phantom Warriors, depending on your party's level. Um, right. Sort of thing. If you didn't, if you didn't have T-Rexes in your world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. A Phantom Warrior's duty is to just care guard. for and take care of and guard this painter. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Yeah. 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 So good. <laughs> so wholesome you know <laughs> we'll dash of wholesomeness for you always, you know we always tend to have a, a little sprinkle in these undeads <laughs> now it's time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on undead in D fifth edition stay tuned next month when we headed to theros to see what terrible versions of undying fanatism looks like thanks Stupid for word. listening to this episode of the it's a mimic podcast If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. If you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash itsamimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. There you go. So now you can say all your embarrassing Got stuff it. in one go. Got it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Now's the time to confess because we're recording. Right? <laughs> like we always do. I feel like I got my monster on purpose just for my accent. <laughs> how, do you, how do you say it? Like, say, like, because I, I could okay. barely even say it. Do you remember how many A's I added to phylactery? Phyl- yes. Yes. <laughs> Same same concept. It's Falaskia. 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 Oh, I love it. Oh, can't wait for that fucking mouthful for you. Yeah. <laughs> like I a hundred percent gotta sign this on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Sweet, sweet child. All right. Otherwise, we're ready to go. Anybody have any big announcements to make for the internet? I don't think so. Not for the internet. All right. Phenomenal. (laughs)
This episode on the It's a Mimic channel is going to commit completely. (laughs) Great start. (laughs) Fantastic. You got this. You got this. (laughs) This episode on the It's a Mimic channel is going to. (laughs) It's because it says channel. Sorry, editor. The exclamation point uh, throws you off. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got this. I got this. Interesting. Sorry, my cat's being a brat. I'm waiting to see if I'm going to kick him out or not. Well, I got motorcycles raging down the road. I I heard one and I was just like, was that me? I was like, where am I? Well, I heard that and then you said your cat and I was like, was that a cat? You know what, Momo? I would not be surprised. Oh, well. All right. I know with that, now it is time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on Undead in D&D 5th edition. Stay tuned next month when we head to Theros and see what terrible versions of undying phantasm... What fucking word is that? (laughs) Fanatics? 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 No. Fanatics? Looks like... Fanaticism? Is that a word? I'm gonna Google it before I like <laughs> piss off the internet here. <laughs> Our post credits is just us saying fanaticism. Fanaticism? Holy shit. Yeah, it is the quality of being fanatical. I hate it. I don't ah. like it. <laughs> I'm gonna redo that without that word. Okay. <laughs> fanaticism. I'm gonna try and actually no, I'm gonna try and say it. Okay. <clears throat> You're being a bit spicy, so I'll say you to generalize you. <laughs>